District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. Happy May, everyone. On this beautiful Monday, we are celebrating a big milestone, our best month in history yet. In the four years that I've been podcasting here at District of Conservation, I will read for you my new op-ed in Real Clear Policy, some other updates, and tease an interview that I will release later tomorrow. Let's jump on into today's episode. April was a phenomenal month for downloads and listens. I was looking through analytics and I was surprised. We had our most listened to day ever. One day in April, it was like 450 listens. And I normally don't divulge statistics, but that was more on record in terms of downloads listened. And it wasn't even attached to a new episode. It was just organic reach in terms of people maybe doing SEO searches for topics. And maybe I broke the magic code and people somehow discovered it. But it's been really incredible just to witness the growth we've had in this year alone. We've had, gosh, 10,000 plus downloads, listens. That is more than I've ever had in the three-month, four-month period. And it goes to show that I guess people really do appreciate what we offer here, something different. It takes time, you know, to grow a podcast. And I'm going to be honest, it's not always easy. I produce everything. I secure all the interviews. I do all the work. Nothing wrong with it. I love the process. I love knowing how to edit, how to do this. But it can be frustrating even if you have all these different bylines. People know who you are. People often don't click on podcasts because they just don't listen or maybe something was off on social media. They didn't really see your stuff. But for some odd reason, in the most recent weeks, we've just had this explosion of growth. And I am super, super grateful. And it's worth the grueling work that goes into creating a podcast. We speak to so many cool different people, newcomers, established newsmakers, everyone in between. And in April, I've been posting about it on social media. We got 4,000 plus listens and downloads. That's the most ever in a month that I've been recording, according to anchor.fm. And that's obviously not the best metric for measuring downloads, but it's largely been useful for me. And I know there are other tools. I'm just being practical and not investing so much money into tracking analytics, but Anchor does pretty good. But 4,000 downloads, that is a 96% increase of listenership compared to March of this year. But we've had people, like I said, I think SEO, people are clicking on things. We had a phenomenal guest. We had Braxton McCoy. I think also the trickle effects of his appearance really has led to more and more people discovering. If you're new to the podcast, tell me how you heard about us. Did you organically search on Apple Podcasts, another podcast player? Did you hear some of the guests? I would love to know how you found the podcast because we've been, like I said, getting a lot of different people. I'm not sure if it translates to subscribers, but it translates to listeners. So it's just been super exciting. I think May and beyond is going to be tremendous in terms of growth. I will have a guest that I'll talk about momentarily, a good guest for this week, and some other things happening. But I think in the natural resources, energy, conservation, great outdoors kind of realm, I think there is an appetite for people to know what is happening in the public policy space. 
And I largely started this podcast in September 2018. We're coming up on four years. Very exciting time. People were very hungry. And I think I was desiring of contrasting a lot of the media portrayals of what was happening in the Trump administration. I wasn't a de facto Trump advocate. I had some disagreements with the administration, but I largely liked what they were doing on conservation obviously putting out there and putting policy that didn't put a flourishing economy at odds with the environment. I like that they respected hunting and fishing. We don't really see that that much now. In the Biden administration, we see an inclination towards preservationist environmental policy. Not all stakeholders are getting a seat at the table. And energy policy is just all over the place. And it's hard to keep track of everything. But since obviously a change in administrations. We've kind of shifted priorities when we talk about policies. Obviously, I'm not going to depart from being fair. Obviously, I do have opinions. I think every person has opinions. I'm more honest about them than others in my position. And some balk at me for being politically conservative. Last I checked, it wasn't a crime to be conservative in this country. I've always been honest about my personal opinions, and you'll see some of it inserted here. And I largely bring on conservative lawmakers. I've brought on Democrats too, friends who lean more to the left as well. So we don't shy away from talking to people. No one really asks them about these questions or really to opine and expand why they're conservationist. It's often a gotcha question, and I want them to speak for themselves. And if we have to contest them or challenge them, we'll do that when appropriate. But I think people are just hungry, whether you're center-right, you're disillusioned by kind of preservationist environmentalism. It doesn't matter where you fall politically. If you support true conservation and reasonable energy policy and you love the great outdoors, this podcast is for you. And even though I am conservative, I am welcoming of everyone who doesn't want to trample on my Second Amendment rights, who doesn't want to make it harder for me to recreate on public and private lands, and has a reasonable approach to energy policy. All are welcome, and thank you guys for making April 2022 our best month yet in terms of listenership. Let's make May even better. I want to briefly mention to you all, if you had not seen this, we talked about biofuels a few episodes ago, but I was able to contextualize this in article form in one of the most preeminent political journals in the United States, the Real Clear Politics franchise, it's Real Clear Policy, I went into detail about what I found to be problematic with President Biden or the Biden administration's plans to wholesale manufacture, wholesale produce, excuse me, E15 fuel. I called my article E15 fuel is wrong to drive America's energy plan. I'm merely paraphrasing it. I explained how this is very, very limited in supply. If you guys know about E15, you drive a car. I think most of you listening have cars. I drive a Subaru Forester. My car is pretty economical. It is not retrofitted for E15. <laughs> I like using conventional gas and oil. And I think most of you do too. E15, briefly, because I want you guys to read this in its entirety for yourselves, but I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. E15 is not ubiquitous. It's only found in about 2,300 gas stations of the 150,000 gas stations available nationwide. So expediting the production of it with the lack of available infrastructure makes no sense. Obviously, the president is wanting to hand out carve-outs to industry players in the biofuel industry to so-called incentivize production of E15. It's a kickback. It's a subsidy. I don't think they're going to be able to retrofit things. And also, this goes against environmental precedent. Where are the environmentalists? For much of the EPA's existence, the EPA said we will not sell E15 between 
June 1st and September 15th because it'll contribute to higher emissions. It's not good for the environment. It's bad for air pollution, air quality more specifically. And now they're supposed to give an emergency waiver, turning a blind eye to this. If this was in the reverse, if this was a Republican administration, I hate to do this, but if let's play devil's advocate. If it was a Republican administration, they would be screaming how horrible such a move is. But there's very few opposition perspectives stating how bad this is. Maybe more and more will come out against it. But initially, I don't see that. It's also going to raise the price of corn. It's going to be impossible to retrofit. Like I said, it can only be put into cars that are made after 2001. Any pre-2001 car that has the capability to take in E15 fuel you cannot fit, change your engine. You'll have to buy a new car. It's going to be just as expensive to replace your motor in most cases than it is to buy a new car. So it'll force people to have to abandon their existing cars. It's a colossal disaster. And this is a bipartisan problem, the biofuels program or the biofuel subsidies. And I had to criticize the past president for this. I didn't like it when he did this. I think it's wrong that some Republican governor, some that I really like, and I've interviewed here, who are supporting this to have E15 year-round because obviously they have a stake in it, they have an interest in corn, and we'll respectfully disagree with some of those Republicans, but I think it's wrong whether it's a Democrat or Republican to push this. It's also really bad, guys and gals, if you have, let's say, lawnmowers or marine motors, you talk to anyone in the recreational boating industry and they will tell you, no matter where they stand politically, this is bad news for marine motors. It cannot be retrofitted. And they did, I mentioned in my article, they did an analysis between ethanol fuel and conventional fuel that most motors cannot accommodate anything above 10% ethanol. This is impractical. It's not available to the wider public. And it's going to be more costly. This is not going to so-called lower gas prices. We just have to shore up domestic production of oil and gas. We're sitting on so many cubic meters millions and billions of cubic meters of both natural gas and also conventional oil and gas. But this administration's reluctance to tap into that safely says a lot. But go to Real Clear Policy, check out my article, opine on it. If you agree, you disagree, I would love your feedback. I know there are lots of different opinions. It actually is a lot more carbon intensive than conventional oil and gas. That's something a lot of people are not talking about, the environmental footprint of this. But maybe this is actually one area, opposition to biofuels, where you can get preservationists and true conservationists to come together and say, let's go a different course. Let's go in a different direction. This is not a good policy. Something I've witnessed with conversation with people, dialogue on Twitter, other social media platforms, written format, you actually do see people on the left and the right coming together to oppose this. So I'm hopeful on this front. I hope the article can contribute to that discussion. And let me know what you think of it. What is on the pipeline in May? What type of guests can you expect? What type of conversations? Something I want to explore more in detail. Are these efforts in different state legislatures, especially blue states that are not friendly to guns, is the idea of attributing crime involving guns to marketing? A lot of gun control advocates are reshaping their kind of strategy, they're trying to find different ways to attack the legal gun ownership rights that we have in this country, and they're now shifting the blame to marketing. We're going to have, hopefully, 
our friends of the show, Mark Oliva from National Shooting Sports. And I think I'll try to get Stephen Gutowski back on the show, maybe the both of them together, to discuss this in detail and what implications stem from this. There's also more and more states on the opposite side passing bills to prevent banks from discriminating against lawful gun ownerships or manufacturers. I think Oklahoma is one place where this is being tried, and they're succeeding. Texas also passed this as well. But I'm really interested in talking about the underreported subjects. We're going to also have some other people from other different firearms outlets come on to talk about what they're up to, why they're perhaps gaining steam, and doing more there. We're not going to obviously neglect the conservation stewardship or energy side of things as well. Anything that'll be breaking and trending, we're going to tackle that as well. And there is something relating to NEPA or forestry that I'm supposed to write about for Independent Women's Forum that I'll tackle this week. And I think I will talk about that executive order as well. We will also bring you some interviews I did from my Texas trip last summer. I'm still sitting on an interview with Joe Fitzsimmons, one of the private landowners who had my videographer Madison and I come to his place to learn about how Texas is leading conservation from a private property rights standpoint. We will be publishing our final video through CFACT on my Conservation Nation series, but I am really excited. I've been holding off this interview for almost a year. It's almost criminal how long I've been holding off on it. But Joe Fitzsimmons, you guys will hear from him this month once we put out my Texas video. I really enjoyed speaking with him. He listens to the podcast as well. And you can anticipate my conversation with him in concert with our video that is coming from Texas. We're finishing the editing with that. And hopefully in the next few weeks, we will have it there. I also will be traveling to Utah and Arizona. You're going to see me post about this. I probably will do an overview episode here. And we're going to post some of our interviews with folks we're speaking with. We're going Madison and I are going there to film another Conservation Nation episode, our first episode filming of the year, of 2022, and we're going to be exploring National Monuments, America's Public Lands, and we're going to switch things up a little bit in terms of how we film, but we'll still obviously get to the meat of the different issue, but I'm really fascinated by the conversation of National Monuments. We're going to be going to several in Utah and Arizona. I'm still awaiting feedback as to whether or not I need permits to film Although a new court case from January 2021 said that low-impact filming is not supposed to be abridged by having a permit. It violates your First Amendment rights. So we're figuring out the things. I've been speaking to some BLM staff in both Arizona and Utah. Very nice people, you know, at the local level. Great to speak with. We want to be, obviously, getting their good graces to be able to film there. But we're also going to visit some national parks. I can't wait to share with you my journey. I'm going to blog about it video blog about it more specifically through YouTube. We'll have behind the scenes looks and just expect a lot of content from out West from me later this month as well. And we'll have more and more conservation nation episodes for you all in 2022. If you have a suggestion, if you're in mining, if you're in an industry that is maligned and you want to show us some positive things you're doing and you live in a state where I haven't visited yet or haven't really explored more. So please reach out to me. Mining is something I really want to get into the weeds of. I think it's misunderstood. We need to shore up domestic production and processing of critical rare earth minerals here in the United States. And I think people are deserving of knowing what that whole process entails. So send me your suggestions for Conservation Nation and we will consider them as well. But stay tuned for new episodes 
past episodes that are going to be published this year and much more. A final note, if you listened all the way to the end of this podcast, I'm going to give you a teaser for an upcoming guest that we have. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be interviewing Attorney General Eric Schmidt of Missouri, who is running for U.S. Senate, and my conversation will be full spectrum. We're going to talk about a lot of things in politics, but any portion relating to natural resources and conservation in the Second Amendment will be included here and posted exclusively before I publish the full write-up at Town Hall this Friday and also a corresponding video on my YouTube channel. But District of Conservation will be the first place you can hear a teaser of my conversation with Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who is also, like I said, a candidate for U.S. Senate. I have wanted to do more interviews because I've been traveling. It's been very, very hard, so I've had to say no to interviews. But I had some time to fit this in because of my very, very busy spring schedule. It has been fun traveling to different universities. Today, I actually have my last, technically last, speech that I'll be doing, but virtually with Cal State Monterey Bay from my home state. I didn't go to Monterey Bay, but I always like speaking to students from my home state. So that'll be a treat to do virtually this evening around 7 p.m. Eastern. I don't know if it's going to be available to the public, but I will kind of give you a cliff note summary of what that speech and those remarks entail. But really excited to resume my interviews with different lawmakers and newsmakers. Like I said, Earlier in the podcast, we do not shy away from having people from the center right come on. I like getting them animated and electrified about these issues because the left paints Republicans and conservatives very inaccurately when it comes to these different issues. And we want to get them to kind of be in their element and to talk about these issues more. I think you deserve to know, especially if you're in Missouri or any other state of candidates that I bring on, You deserve to know where they stand on these issues and if their views are being accurately portrayed in media. So pay attention tomorrow, sometime in the later afternoon, you'll hear a teaser of my interview with Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. Can't wait for you to hear it. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcast player. We recommend Apple Podcasts, where over 60% of our listenership hails from. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, which don't really populate, but follow us on social media to make sure you never miss a beat or a guest announcement. You can also find us on CFAC's website under District of Conservation under my profile, Gabriella Hoffman, to catch up on all different past episodes there. If you like what you hear, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple or wherever podcasts are played. Share the links leave your reviews, and tell your friends about the show. Thanks for listening today. Stay tuned for more District of Conservation episodes.